We're at Yellow Belly Restaurants here in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas with a couple of gyms with us. Uh, over the top cycling, uh, Tyler Hamilton training coach, Jim Capra, and uh, one of your clients, Jim Williams. Great to chat with you guys. Great to be here, George. Thanks. Hi, George. Jim Capra here. Thanks so much for having us tonight. You look thrilled. I am thrilled. Okay. We're, we're in Boulder. <laughs> we're, we're talking cycling at Yellow Belly. It doesn't get any better than that. So tell us a little bit about Tyler Hamilton Training, how you became involved with that. Yeah, so we're uh, actually on our sixth year, headquartered uh, right here in Boulder, Colorado, the uh, mecca of U.S. cycling. We've got clients all over the world, actually. And um, when Tyler uh, retired, he had a lot of friends coming to him, you know, asking him for help with coaching. Um, you know, a lot of he has a lot of great training advice. Knows what works and what doesn't, and uh, decided well, let's make uh, let's turn this into a business. And uh, the rest is history. We uh, we offer fully custom coaching programs that we send through an online calendar, and uh, we're in there daily writing the specific work for all ages and abilities. What's your background in cycling? How'd you get interested in coaching? Uh, you know, growing up in Colorado, I've been on the bike for way too many years than I care to admit right now, be aging myself. But, um, you know, I've, I've been involved in racing, riding, whatever, since uh, I was probably about 10 years old. And uh, growing up here in, in Colorado, even though there's a million cyclists, it's a pretty close-knit community. And, um, you know, after Tyler had started the company and, and uh, you know, ran it by me as far as needing some help, the rest is history. And uh, we work with our, our average client is probably a weekend warrior. Not everybody is as serious as, as the other Jim who's sitting next to me here, who uh, is beginning his 2016 national championship campaign. Um, we have athletes that, uh, you know, might have multiple sclerosis and they want to learn how to ride a bike for the first time for a better quality of life. To, we've worked with, um, you know, Olympic contenders, so a little bit of everyone. And, I, uh, I, I always like it when someone says, I'll age my, or I'll date myself when he's like 15 years younger than, than us, Jim. 20 years younger than me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, youngster, we're going to move on to Jim Williams. <laughs> Jim, how did you become involved with uh, Jim Capra as a coach? I mean, there's a lot of selection out there. So why did you pick him? Actually, um, I was looking for somebody to train with. I wanted to get um, more involved and more serious in my riding. And I had finished my second ram, and I was talking to some friends, and they recommended Tyler Hamilton Training, THT. So I sent an email out. Um, and, and this is when you lived in New York, correct? when I lived in New York. Um, and uh, I sent an email out, and a few months went by. I didn't hear anything, and I said, well, I guess they really don't. They're not interested in working with me. And then I get this call from Jim, and he's like, oh, dude, man, I lost your email, but I'm just getting back with you, and we really would like to work with you, and, and, uh, and you know, and as he says, the rest is history, and uh, it's been it's been great for me. Um, they've, I've come out to Boulder uh, a few times before I moved out here and rode with Jim and some other people, and I fell in love with the place, and eventually, actually a year ago, September, I moved out here for good, and love it, couldn't wouldn't go anywhere else right now. And we're going to be following you throughout the season, uh, weekly updates and pre- and post-race shows from your track events. It's going to 
going to be a blast. So looking forward to that. First met you at Race Across America, Ram. Jim said Ram earlier. That is Race Across America 2011, I believe, when you were on winning team. Uh, uh, 2012 was the winning team. Ah, okay. Um, but, yeah, you uh, see how good my old yeah. memory is here. <laughs> yeah, 2012 was the winning team, but it was basically the same team. Uh, we changed one, two, two people. Well, on, on a four-man team, that's not basically the same team. <laughs> it seemed like the same thing. It seemed like the same team. It was the same crew, and you know, the crew is probably more important than the, the racers most of the time. So I'm a little confused because Race Across America is like the ultimate endurance event, and now you're specializing in track, which is the opposite. Well, you know... There's nothing like going from doing 3,000-mile races to doing 200-meter races or doing a race that takes six days, six hours, 34 minutes to doing a race that takes 10 seconds. But, you know, there, there's actually a lot that is the same. Um, you know, when you're doing an endurance race, it's you and the bike. And when you're doing a track race, it's you and the bike. And so they're really are, they're, they're very, very, very similar. So when I go out and I do a track race, I do a flying 200 or a 500 meter or a 1K, it's just me and the bike and the time and how fast can I go in 1K. And the only difference between that and endurance race is just the length of the race. When I was going to say, you know how to make yourself hurt. You can just make yourself hurt for 10 seconds or for a week. Or for, you know, 10 minutes at a time and then you know you got 10 minutes off to rest when you're doing you know, your rotation on Race Across America. So, you know, we did it like most other teams, you know, we divided it into two sub-teams and then took 10-minute pulls and you just go as hard as you can for 10 minutes and then you get 10 minutes off and then you repeat it for six days. So, Jim Capra, what did you think of Jim's cycling background as far as getting into track? Um, what did you look for with well, him? I, I like to say that he has a really good coach that actually planted the seed for track racing, you know, um, realizing that one he could be really good at it and i think he would have fun and uh, that's proven to be the case we can't keep him away from the velodrome these days now how'd you get i had forgotten it when i the first time i one of the first times i worked with jim and sending my data he came back and said you know you really would be good at track oh you did i had forgotten about that but yeah yeah this guy he has big bursts of power and uh, he can suffer so uh, and that's a good combination in, in any cycling event. But, uh, you know, he's a powerhouse, and that's always good on the track. I had no idea. I mean, and you had never really ridden on a velodrome, had you? No, I hadn't ridden on a velodrome at all. And uh, for about two years, I just fooled around with it. I got a track bike, um, and I just fooled around. And, you know, I did a little bit at Terrytown. Um, when I went to race in Australia, I rode at the Dunk Gray Velodrome there. Um, and then I rode out at Carson, California a few times, but I never really raced track until two years ago. It'd be two years ago, I think in May, was probably my first track race. And uh, I just started doing rookie and master races out at T-Town, um, and it just grew from there. That's got to make you feel great as a coach to recommend someone try this and then be so successful at it. I think you'd look at my data and say, George, have you ever seen a remote in an easy chair? <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're kidding here. But, you know, the funnest thing is, is seeing how much he enjoys it. You know, uh, the potential and, and somebody 
who has uh, the ability to be strong and do well in any discipline, that's great. But you got to enjoy it. And he has fun out there. And uh, that's that's what's most gratifying for us. This guy, he, he lives it. He loves it. He has fun. And you do obviously love it. You talk about it a lot. I mean, not in an annoying way. <laughs> um, but what is it about there track racing? It's an annoying way. <laughs> well, most of my family think it's in an annoying way. But... I find if I go out with anybody who's not a cyclist, I don't have anything to talk about. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> so, My therapist says a few more sessions, I should be able to make it through a whole day without talking about a bike. <laughs> You're not helping him here, uh, George, tonight at all. So we need to get into some philosophical discussion one night instead of following your career. Okay. <laughs> so, what, what track event do you like the most? What do you feel you're best at? But which one do you enjoy the most? And that would not necessarily be the uh, event that you're most successful at, I would think. Well, my favorite event is probably the 500, um, uh, which is just 500 meters from a standing start. Um, I probably am best at the Flying 200, um, which is just a 200 meter, you know, go as fast as you can. We do all, all or go as fast as you can, hard as you can, but the Flying 200 is probably um, what I'm best at, but that's really only a qualifier for match sprints, and I'm not very good at match sprints. Um, they're not my favorite race. I do, I do okay with them, but it's not my favorite race. So what I'm working on this year are the, the 500 and the 1K. So that's what I hope to, uh, to race in this year. And which do you see yourself doing best in at nationals? Probably the 500. That would be what I would like to medal in, would be the 500. Jim Capra, what's it like for you to coach someone locally as opposed to when he's in New York? Is it actually pretty similar? Are you able to come down and ride with Jim? How does yeah, that work? you know, the model, be it somebody in Europe, New York, or Boulder, it's the same pretty much across the board for location and ability. But uh, it just makes it that much more fun when we can get together and get out on the road together or I can go over to the track and, uh, you know, practice some holds that he can practice uh, his starts. So it's, uh, you know, it's a little more engaging and definitely more fun when we've, we've got local people or people in town to ride with. And do you actually get to go to some of the races? I do, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's another great part of it. And, uh, you know, this summer... Everyone needs to come on out to Boulder Valley Velodrome and then uh, also down to Colorado Springs because Jim here is going to be racing both locations. Now, Colorado Springs, got a race coming up tomorrow, correct? Tomorrow starts, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not anything that's sanctioned. It's just an informal race that they're, they're putting on every other Tuesday. Um, and uh, it's going to be fun. I have I a feeling you still want to do well, though, whether oh, yeah, it's sanctioned or yeah, not. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, there are no points, and uh, you know, so. But I went down to uh, the Springs for the first time on Sunday and trained at the Velodrome uh, there. It's, it's unbelievable. Had you you hadn't ridden on that so one before? On oh, until, I didn't know that. Sunday, yeah. So, which events are you going to be doing Tuesday? I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what races they'll do. I imagine they'll probably have several mass start races, like a scratch race and a points race. 
Um, I don't know if they're going to do any um, individual time trials like the 500 or the 1K. They may, um, but I imagine it's going to be NASCAR races. Six-day race? Yeah, like a six-day race, except for not six days, just two hours. Now, Jim, how did you get involved with bicycling? You have a horse riding background, correct? That's right, that's right. But I started riding probably back in, oh gosh, I don't know, 2009. Um, I started doing um, uh, um, fundraising rides um, for, uh, for an AIDS charity. It's called AIDS Life Cycle. And it's a six-day ride that goes from San Francisco uh, to Los Angeles, and it raises money for the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the uh, LA Gay and Lesbian Center, which is the primary place where um, people get treatment for HIV and AIDS in LA. Um, the first year I did it, we raised roughly $12 million. The last year, they, last year I think it was close to $16 million. So it's a significant, it's a significant race ride and it raises a lot of money and does a lot of good and helps a lot of people get the treatment that they need to live that they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford or get. Now, I'm seeing a lot of overachievement here. He just started riding, did a six-day ride, which is probably 80 to 100 miles a day, correct? That's, that's about right. And then two years later, you did Race Across America for the first time. Right. And now you've been riding on the track for your second year, and you're going for a national championship. Well, actually, I went for the national championship. Well, yeah, that's true. Year. In one year, <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to go from a Cat Five to a Stars and Stripes jersey in one year, but I wasn't able to do it. I broke a rib in a warm up right before my 500, and so uh, I was a little slow. <laughs> you know, you're an overachiever when you break ribs during your warm up. <laughs> So as a coach, what do you think of an athlete that's got goals that are that high and is actually coming pretty darn close oh, to you know, it's achieving it's them? Just, it's so much fun. And guys like Jim, you know, we're, we're just along for the ride. They make us look good, which, uh, you know, which, which leads to probably the hardest part of our job. And uh, a lot of people are surprised is it's dialing guys like him back. And Jim will, Jim will tell you, you know, rest and recovery is huge and never had to get on this guy about not working hard enough or really anyone for that matter that we work with but when we try to take the guesswork out it's you know teaching people how to rest and recover properly so that's the challenge with him <laughs> and then at age 50 which jim you're you look like you're about 40 but you're what a little over 50 um, rest and recovery is even more important correct you know, somewhat. It, uh, it's, it's something that's neglected across the board, I'd say, for, for everyone, for everyone, ages and abilities. It's, it's a super important part of, of you know, performance of a uh, successful season. And, uh, you know, I haven't really noticed that it's age dependent. So if somebody's fit, given proper recovery techniques, age isn't the factor. I skied with Jim about a week ago, and he was lamenting the fact that he's had two whole weeks off the bike. What's it like for you to take any rest days? Oh, I love my rest days. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love them. I, I, it took me a long time to get there, but, you know, that's the day that I run all my errands and... <laughs> 
go to the dry cleaners, go to the grocery store. I thought you were going to say go to the gym. and skiing. <laughs> skiing was on my rest recovery. Skiing was my recovery day last week. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a day I get to have fun. And, I, you know, some days, you know, a recovery day, I will ride. But what I've learned to do is to go really, really, really easy and just to spin the legs with no no pressure on the pedals and, you know, just a low cadence. And, you know, I'm, I'm really working. Like Jim said, it's one of the hardest things that it gets counterintuitive to me. But, like, how you don't work in order to get stronger. And, you know, it's true. I mean, the rest is the recovery is when you make the gains that you work so hard to get to from the few days before. And Jim Capra, um, what do you see as a successful season from your standpoint for a rider like Jim? Um, you know, if, if whatever his goals are as far as placing or, or uh, achieving a national championship, if for some reason those aren't met, but you're seeing a lot of gains in his power and his time and everything like that. I mean, you're doing your job right. He's improving. Is that a successful season for you? That's part of a successful season for sure. I mean, we're looking at the metrics and the data on a daily basis, you know, every workout. So that's something that we really keep a, a good, a close eye on. But honestly, um, you know, achieving goals, having a, a safe and I would say one of the most important metrics for us is having a fun season, you know? At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And for different people, I think uh, there are different factors that, that go into making it a fun season. For someone like Jim, he's got tangible goals, he's got stuff written down, he has things that he wants to achieve. For other people, it might be riding up Lee Hill without stopping, you know? So, uh, at the end of the day, for us, it's about balance, it's about having fun, and it's about continually moving forward. Um, this guy, he's he's stronger than he knows, and I'm still trying to, to work on him with, with that. The uh, this year, there's going to be some more mental work going into, uh, you know, believing in his strength and uh, realizing, you know, that... that uh, and he's he shaking can, his head. I, yeah. I want to get a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, riding up Lee Hill without stopping is a pretty good goal. <laughs> so, Jim, what would make this a successful season for you? And I know doing my best, it sounds like a cliche, but, I mean, if you ride your best, that is pretty darn good you know I, I know this sounds corny but I'm I'm already having a successful season I'm living the dream I you know I left New York and quit work and came out here to ride my bike and to try to get stronger and to be the best that I can um, I know I'm not as good as I can be I know I've got I can make there's a lot more gains I can make and as long as I continue to make gains I'll be happy um, I'd love I really am focused on bringing home uh, Stars and Stripes jersey this year, um, you know, that's my goal. Um, if I can't bring home a jersey, I, you know, I, I know I can podium. I, I know I can. I, and, and that's, you know, I'll be happy with that. But my goal is to bring home a Stars and Stripes jersey. But frankly, I've already won. I'm having the best time that I've ever had in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do if I have to go back to work. <laughs> but, you know, until then, you know, I, like I said, I'm living the dream. I, I hear that the income for 50-plus masters racing on the track is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what to do with all the money. <laughs> it's amazing. And the, and, the and the sponsorships that are coming, you know, left and right, they're everywhere, you know? You know what, it's... There is no money in this, yeah. and it's expensive. It's not cheap. But uh, it's so rewarding. It is. 
It is, and you've got to want to do it. You know, you can't you can't be forced to do it. Um, it's got to be something that you want to do because you, it's too much work to do it right. And if you're not going to do it right, then don't do it. Stay home. You know, sit in a lounge chair or back a lounger with a remote control. Okay. If you don't want to do it. You know, but if you want to do it, there's a lot of people here that can help you. Um, and that's what's really cool. And, you know, when I go out to the track, you know, I ride with, you know, world champions and national champions. I ride with absolutely the best riders, not only in the nation, but the world. And it just makes me a better racer. They're just talking to them and listening to them and working with them and riding with them and being on a team with them makes me a much better racer just from sharing of experiences. And that's one of the reasons I moved out here. It's, this is the only place in the world where you can get that. And it's the only place in the world where everybody is trying to be their best and everybody is welcoming and willing to share with you and on some level. Now, Jim, I'm interested to get your opinion on the growth of Masters Racing. I remember, I've said this before, but uh, I did a 1985 state championship and I was 23 at the time, 22, and uh, was just in awe that there was someone out there who was really fast that was 40. Why is that? In fact, it seems like guys in their 40s and 50s now are, are winning lots of things that uh, the younger guys are competing in. Well, I tell you, you know, locally for sure, a lot of those 40-year-old masters are just a few years removed from uh, professional racing. So <laughs> they're, uh, you know, people think they're going to do a whatever category, be it 5, 4, 3, 40-plus race, it's no walk in the park. A lot of those races are just as fast, um, if not faster, than some of the elite stuff across the country. And, uh, you know, it, you're right. The, the sport in that age group, it, it's booming. And I've, I've seen a few articles where they're calling cycling the, the next golf. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, CEO types and business deals that are now being made on the bike. And I think it's that... Uh, you know, competitive um, factor that lends itself to, to the sport, you know, experiencing continued success across the board at all ages. Tim, what would you say about that? I would say that uh, at nationals this year, there were 27 racers in my division, which was 55 to 60. 27 is huge. So, Jim, obviously very competitive on the bike. You ever miss the horseback riding? Do you think you would have been as successful if you had stayed with horses as you are on your bike? Well, I would like to think I would have been successful if I'd stayed with horses. Um, do I miss it? Yeah, I miss it all the time. Um, especially if I'm watching a show on TV or if I go down to Denver to watch some of the Grand Prix they have down there. I sit there and it's just it takes me right back to this days when I was there. It feels the same. It, there's no difference. You just feel exactly the same way that you do, you, you did when you were doing it. And you feel the same excitement and the same anticipation and the same anxiety. And you go down into you know, the warm-up ring to watch the racers, the riders warming up before they, they, they take their round. And it's the same thing. You feel the same anxiety. It's, it just doesn't leave you. Jim, how important it is, is it to you, um, someone's athletic background? Before they start a cycling program. 
you know, honestly, it's we, we want to make we want to know somebody's background just so there are no surprises as far as, you know, anything that can creep up on the bike. But um, as far as athletic background, I would say that, you know, it, it's it's definitely not a determining factor. We like I say, we, we've worked with people that have never ridden before and want to train to, uh, you know, complete a century all the way to people that are winning national championships so um, you know it's we look at it more from a health standpoint we want to make sure that uh, you know the back knees asthma that type stuff there aren't any surprises in that regard but as far as athletic background um, you know it's it's something that really isn't I'd say it's not much of a determining factor it's helpful with somebody like Jim that has that competitive background and that edge and really knows how to push themselves. But I think that, you know, in our experience, somebody that, that goes to the, to the level of hiring a coach, they're uh, pretty self-disciplined to start with. So we're just there to take out the guesswork, to make the most out of their valuable time and uh, to keep things moving forward in a, in a fun and effective way. What do you want to see from Jim tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, I he's want had to time see... off the bike. He's coming out of the holidays. I mean, you look at it, you know he's just been gobbling ham and drinking eggnog. <laughs> Knowing <laughs> this guy, he's gonna. The first thing he's gonna tell me is where he could have done better. Um, so I, I don't ever expect him to say that was the best time I ever had in my life. Or he's this guy. He's strong. He's motivated. He's always looking to improve. So more than anything, you know, I just want to hear that he that he had fun, that he's feeling good, and he's ready to uh, hit it again the next day. Anything you want to see in his uh, power measurements? You know, this is something during a race, we don't want a person looking at their power. That's for training. So uh, we, look at, we look at power, and we'll look at his file after a race, but that's not a metric that we're concerned with as much during a race. You know, during a race, no thinking, no thoughts of power, heart rate, speed, effort. Let your training and your body take over. And, and you can't use a power meter on the track anyway. So I uh, have a power meter that I use on the front for training, and then I have a SRM power meter on the back underneath my saddle, and that's what I'll use for the race. But uh, you're not allowed, if you have a power meter on the front where you can see it, you have to tape over it. So you're not allowed to use it on the track. Final question, where does your mind go when you're doing a 1K or a 500? It goes into a white hole of pain. And if you don't have that white hole of pain, then you're not going hard enough. I don't think I can ask anything else after that. (laughs) Jim, Jim, thanks very much for joining us. I look forward to many, many more of these with both of you. Likewise. Thanks so much, George. Appreciate it, George. It's been fun. Yellow Belly in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.